0: Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and you're listening to Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women. Each week, we bring you an outstanding woman who is a leader in her field. These amazing women are role models for living your life purpose, how to be resilient, how to create positive relationships, build successful careers, and help you discover your own leadership talents. Now, if you've listened to these conversations, you know I've been doing these interviews with these amazing leading women for nearly a decade. I love sharing their story so much that I chose 19 of the best experts from these conversations to co-author my book, Leading Women, 20 Influential Women Share Their Secrets to Leadership, Business, and Life which is available, of course, in Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and the business section of your area bookstore. So go get a copy or get a copy for a friend. So this week, I'm pleased to introduce you to another outstanding woman. She is Jen Terrell. Jen is a financial personal trainer who helps female entrepreneurs and self-employed women take control of their money so it doesn't control them. Jen has run businesses in industry as diverse as agriculture, music, technology, and finance. In 2010, her oldest daughter was diagnosed with autism. So Jen dove into the world of special needs, finance, headfirst, and started running an early intervention program for both daughters. When her second daughter was also diagnosed with autism. Jen has found a system that works, designing and automating cash flow systems for home and business. Jen's expertise can be heard on her podcast on iTunes, Financial Fluency, Speaking the Language of Money. Other guidance can be found in her blogs on Huffington Post, Daily Worth, The Oprah Magazine, and many, many more. I am so pleased to welcome Jen Terrell to Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women. Thank you for joining me. So glad to have you with me. Well, welcome, Jen. Thank you so much for for being with me with conversations with smart, amazing women. And for reading all about you and looking at your website, that's exactly who you are. And you're making such a great contribution in the world for women's finance. So welcome.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate being here.
0: Um, You know, I start these conversations out pretty much the same way because I think it's so very, very important I find that when women share their stories about who they are and what they do and why they're doing what they're doing, there's always a very, very positive connection. There's always a connection, and that occurs. And I think that's the, most, that's the greatest value that we have, and that's our, I think those are our skills, our connection with conversation, collaboration. So I would like to start out by just asking you, how did you get to be the gym that you are today? What is, your, what is your journey? What brought you to this time in your life?
1: Well, I do have a couple of pretty huge obstacles that I overcame early on. Um, as a child, I was a survivor of childhood sexual abuse that occurred in my home for 12 years. And um, so that has had a definite impact on me. And uh, yeah. part of the reason wow. I've ended up working on, on finances with women is, over the years, I've ended up in conversations with so many women who have either been the parent or the child in one of these domestic violence situations like I grew up in. And yeah. often one of the things that stops women leaving is um, financial wherewithal, financial independence. Yeah. So okay. one of my goals with women and finances is I want every woman to be able to leave if she wants to, right. to take herself right. and her children to safety. Um, So that's a big driving force for me. Another is that I have two daughters with special needs. Um, My oldest has autism and also has a rare white blood cell disorder that causes a wide variety of problems for her. She's tube fed. She can't process most proteins. She has severe food allergies and some vision problems as well. So I feel like on the one side, I experienced what it's like to be a vulnerable person who is abused On the other side, I have a child who is so desperately vulnerable um, that I want to absolutely wrap her in all the protection and safety and security that I possibly can. So both of those things have been big driving forces in my life.
0: Well, geez, that's, I mean, that is, those are huge. I mean, I'm looking at the picture of you and your $2. They're absolutely beautiful and and, beautiful. I congratulate them congratulate you on them and and, and I congr- and so I'm so happy that they have a mother like you you know from coming from such dire circumstances of your own and becoming who you are today and and turning that around and making a difference in the world I congratulate you for that as well and you know it's so you're right it's so very very important that mo- women have their own money and understand the importance of having their own money I grew up in a family that that's exactly the way it was. In fact, you know, my mother grew up around a father and a mother who had a business, but a father who who was in the stock market. So mm-hmm. one of the things that he, she was taught early on is that having money was extremely important, and having her own money was even more important. And he taught my, especially my grandfather, taught my mother that. So. Uh, you know, I always saw my mother managing the money. My father worked very, very hard, but my mother basically managed the money. And so I was very blessed to have that type of uh, mentoring and mother in my life, that money is is so very, very important. I guess the thing is that, I mean, I know women that do have wealth. I know women that are extremely well-off, but they, they're not as comfortable with it as men are. What is that about, do mm-hmm. you think?
1: Well, I've definitely seen that. In my own family as well, because my grandmother was an heiress and my mother was an heiress, too, from Uh the same sort of family fortune. But both of them, what they knew about money, and this is no judgment on them at all. This is what they knew. This is what they were taught by the world around them. Both of them married men without money and handed the checkbook over.
0: Oh, wow. So my
1: my grandmother gave her fortune to my grandfather, who had never had any background with money and really had not earned a lot of money. So he went from being very working class to not working at all anymore and just managing her family's money, which diminished to a fair amount. And then the, uh, the inheritance that my mother got as well. Um, My mother was a hippie. She was at Berkeley in 62, you know, so she married an artist. She was a harpist. Um, So both she and her first husband who my father, they met in college and they were very idealistic. And when her inheritance came, neither of them really had learned anything about managing it from their families. And not to say that they did a terrible job, they invested quite a bit in, um, in, their, in themselves, which I do think is important to invest if you are a creative or an artist or, you know, really whatever you're trying to do in your life, if you're a business person, if you're starting your own business, there is a certain amount that you really need to believe in yourself enough to go to invest in your skills, growing your skills, growing your earning potential, all of those things. But um, it was in my mother's second marriage where um, we are actually involved in an alternative religion. I'm putting quotes around that. Most people would call it a cult, which absorbed uh-huh. most of the rest of the money, and her second husband was involved in that as well. And she, again, just sort of handed over the checkbook because that's what she'd seen her mother do. That's, that's what ev- right. everyone around her had done. And in my family, um, none of the women had children before 30, so we're spaced out quite a lot. So, uh, you know, my, my grandmother saw the depression, <laughs> you know, um, uh-huh. but – even through all of that, it was always the men who took care of the money, who took care of the family. And um, You know, my grandmother never really worked, and my mother was a, a harpist for much of her life until after her divorce, there was a point where she did start working. But it's a very interesting perspective, so I feel like while my family has this perspective of there being a lot of money in the past, by the time I was born, there really wasn't much left, and then we kind of went through this very difficult experience of her second marriage. Um, after which there really was nothing left of the uh, the original family fortune. So I yeah, definitely have yeah. seen that just having money does not does not solve those problems. Right, <laughs> you know, the, right, money right, existing, right. you can still you can still be a victim to all kinds of um, difficulties and violence. You can still be. Yeah. Sometimes well, it may make you more of a target for that kind of thing. Sure. Um,
0: sure. Yeah. Well, that that so. goes back to the whole premise of women needing permission. You know, and I think that's part of the issue as well. Uh, you know, I've worked with women, women empowerment, and women's leadership for over 30 years, and you know, and I, and I definitely have have seen this over and over again that women tend to need permission. And mm-hmm. you know, and again, that's that's really very very important is when when women can begin to make those decisions on their own. You know, I'm I'm curious, Jen, who supported you to give you the courage and the and the strength to go forward in your life because again, uh, you know, I was I was very blessed. I had strong women in my family. I had grandpa- I had grandmothers and I had a mother who were were excellent models for me as far as business and leadership and, and of course managing money. But who who in your life really gave you these, this, this drive? I understand of course your circumstances, but who was supporting you along the way? Who 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 lifted you up?
1: Well, in my childhood, my escape and probably what saved my life, I think, was books. I was uh-huh. a voracious reader, a mad reader. Reading allowed me to see a reality outside of the one I was living in, which the one I was living in was pretty dismal. So um, yeah, seeing that life could be better and more exciting. And then my mother did support me in applying to Bryn Mawr College. And that's where I went. That was one place where she really defied my stepfather. And... Um, helped me, you know, do all the applications, get everything done, kind of almost without him realizing quite what we were doing. I wanted to get as far away as I could, and I wanted to be in an all-female environment. I did not. At that point in my life, I wanted nothing to do with men (laughs) by the time I left for college. And when I got there, I remember in the second semester of my freshman year, first of all, I was just astounded by the women around me, just how amazing they were, how brilliant. I mean, there were women from all over the world. We had a very international campus back then. And um, I would look at these women and just feel like, <laughs> when I first got there, I felt like they were all so much better than me. They were all so well-educated, so eloquent. They seemed to have such a background in, in literary theory, things that my high school never even got to. And then I did always carry around with me the secret of being damaged and of being dirty, of being oh, not, no. not good enough, you know, which I think a lot of girls who are abused sure. have that. And then we had this night, second semester, it was called Take Back the Night, where all the women who had experienced sexual violence and rape and child abuse came out and showed each other. And I was astonished. I was shocked. I was like, oh my gosh, these women I admire so much, they've been through it too, and nothing is wrong with them. So it really allowed me a new perspective on it. And that summer I went home, and for the first time ever, I talked first to my sister, (laughs) and she confirmed that it had happened to her too. We'd all been very, very isolated from each other, even within our own home. Sure, sure. And, um, And then we talked to my mother, and um, she immediately started divorce proceedings. He already wasn't living in the house anymore with her. Which made your, mother had,
0: your mother had no idea what was going on?
1: No, she didn't. It sounds hard to believe, but the way that we have been in this religion since I was born, I was born into it, really. She and my father had joined, and he left when he left us. And then um, my mother stayed in and met this other man who – they got married very quickly. It was only maybe – I feel like it was three or four months after meeting, which is kind of, you know, looking back after the fact, after we did go through trial, you know, me talking led us to trial. I spent the rest of my college flying back and forth doing this trial, and we eventually testified against him, and we won, which when you were talking about permission, I feel like going through that trial and winning was so validating for me, and and my college was very supportive. My friends at school were so supportive once I told them what was going on. And I feel like that made a huge difference for me, just having this campus of women basically rooting for me. And then um, we...
0: again, why it's so important that women do talk to each other, because when we see someone that's beautiful, that's talented, that we think is smart, we think it's so easy for her. And Mm -hmm. when we actually tell each other who we are and what has happened in our life, that's when the... That's when truly the magic occurs, and that that collect, that connection and that collaboration. Well, that that's a that's a, you know, I'd say, Jen, just talking about this is probably the most valuable thing that we can even talk about today, because the stories and the and the way we can share as women and the value that it brings to all of us when we do that is. Is tremendous. So, well, I'm 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 so happy about that because I went to a girls' school too, and, and you know they sh- they do talk about the fact that women that do go to girls girls colleges, women's colleges, tend to end up being strong leaders, very good connectors with other women, and, and build a very strong network and community that really uh, serves them the rest of their lives, and, and uh, no doubt that's you. I see that in what you're doing as well. So congratulations mm-hmm. on that. Okay, well let's talk Thank a little you. bit about what you do, though, because you're a personal, financial, property trainer. I mean, everything. You're, <laughs> you know, again, you're gonna you're gonna coach women about first of all, what, what do you? How do you? How do you describe uh, the importance to women, money, to women, money? Well. Yeah.
1: In our society, it's our way of describing value and assigning value to things. So if someone asks, like, you know, you tell them about your house, and they, they want to know, oh, how how nice is your house? What What's the value? How much is it worth? And if you say yeah. it's worth $500,000, they're like, oh, that must be a nice house. Or if you say it's worth a million dollars, you know, that's, that's how they get the idea of, of what value this house has. And right. in terms of, um, you know, how – how worthwhile something is. We often describe it in dollars. So when we talk about ourselves and value ourselves, it's often either our earning potential or our net worth, our bank account or our debt that we assign the value to ourselves. So as women, you know, historically we've been a commodity. We have been bought and sold. We've been married for alliances. You know, it's only in the last couple hundred years that we have had any, any power at all over money. Before that, right. we were completely controlled by And in a lot of countries, it's still that way. And I do feel like those of us who live in countries where we have the most power and the most ability to wield that power through money, it's really our responsibility to help uplift women overall in the whole world. I mean, I feel like this generation right now, we have more financial wherewithal and control than women have ever had at any time in history we still have a long way to go with the wage gap and having a female president you know we have all these things we need to get but overall we control more wealth than we ever have and as the boomer generation um ages and and money's inherited by the the women (laughs) as the men die off first that's that's only going to increase so right now we have the power to really make some serious changes so i feel like it's not only for ourselves and our daughters each of us individually in our lives Right now is a really important time for women, womankind overall. So I do try to instill a little of that. Just it's, it's so exciting right now that we have these opportunities, and especially those of us that are able to work from home. I ended up working from home because, especially as mom, I had a really difficult pregnancy. I was on bed rest almost the entire time. Um, I used up more than all of my time off, my leave, paid leave, unpaid leave, vacation, everything during my pregnancy. So when it was time to decide what to do after my daughter was born, she was in no state to hand over to anybody when she was born. She needed a lot of care immediately. And I was not going to leave her. So I could not go back to a traditional job. And um, as a special needs mom, I was in a lot of groups. I met a lot of other special needs moms who really were in crisis, either financially because of losing their income or going through divorce or both. You know, there are a lot of things that happen when you're a special needs mom and one of the parents has to leave the workforce to care for a child. And this is true right. too with our parents right now. You know, a lot of us are having to figure out care for, for parents because our parents are living longer and we want to extend the quality of life as long as possible. So the financial burden of that is similar, I think, to having special needs children, except that for the special needs children, we not only have to plan through the end of our lives, we have to plan, some of us have to plan through the end of our children's lives. So Um, So there's so much to do. (laughs) But the the great thing is we have so many chances to do it now. Like a lot of us can work from home, which before the internet and being able to do these kind of calls that we do right now, Zoom, Skype, there's so many ways that we can be active and be seen without having to leave our home. So I feel like, you know, just looking at all that is Possible for us right now. All the potential that we have is a good starting place. I always try to try to start positive, even though a lot of people come to me about debt. Um, the truth is, we have more ways that we can solve those problems now than we ever had before. Yeah.
0: You know, the the millennials really have a, a great thinking model that I think we should all start to look at. Is that they they really are looking at their careers as something that's truly going to make them happy, truly going to make you know, make a difference in the world of what they're doing and, and surrounding themselves with not only a diverse population, but people that are like-minded. And and I think, you know, again, the fastest-growing trend in the United States are women-owned businesses, but I think this trend, uh, you know, this thinking of the millennials is becoming even more important for women is that, you know, work is... Work is my passion, and passion is my work. And and I think this is something, especially women entrepreneurs, are really, really beginning to understand. Is that, you know, when you when you really find what you're passionate about and really make it really can make a difference in the world. And and this growing model of people that are actually happy working and loving what Mm -hmm. they're doing is is uh, I think something again. I'm no doubt that this that you're seeing and probably very much a part of. Especially since you are working with women to help them understand that money is power and, and money is their voice, but uh, do you see that as as part of the part of what's going on as well?
1: I do, and it's been really interesting because when I originally came online and started talking about finances at all, I was specifically speaking to other autism moms to start with, just because early intervention for autism is so expensive (laughs) Um, and I started before Obamacare came in so my daughter originally nothing related to autism was covered by insurance we had an autism exclusion and she had a pre-existing condition because we had to when I left work we had to switch insurance Um, so then we went on family my husband and I have always had some kind of of home-based business we when we first met we were in indie bands and we each had a record label we still have a record label we ran my family's ranch for 14 years Um, So we've always had a couple of different income sources ourselves, but when I started talking to the special needs community, it wasn't exactly about about finance, it was more just like how do we set up these programs, how do we deal with insurance, but I kept finding over and over that the women that I was talking to really struggled with kind of basic personal finance, Um, and a lot of times it was that the husband was still working and he made all the financial decisions. But women had traditionally made all of the home financial um, decisions. You know what what foods to buy, how much to spend on groceries, bills, stuff like that. Um, So one thing that surprised me when I came online and kind of started my podcast and started expanding things was that a lot of not a lot, but a a fair number, a significant number of millennial women started interacting with me, and I was kind of like, "Oh, um, I'm I'm a lot older than you, and I have kids." and I loved it. I loved hanging out with them, and I loved talking to them. And I do feel like they have – what they're starting with is what it's taken me to 41 years old to get to. You know? And yeah. they're kind of starting with yeah. this idea of not just working for money. Even though they, some of them have crushing student debt, they still want to, rather than just taking any old job and making as much money as possible, no matter what they have to do, they really want to incorporate more of a, a life balance even before they have kids, even before they're married, which I think is brilliant. Yeah. I wish I wish I'd done it sooner.
0: But I think that's because of your job as being a a trainer, a fitness financial trainer. This is something that when people do begin to understand, it's not the bottom line. Money's not the bottom line. Money's strictly a vehicle to get you where you want to be in your life. As mm-hmm. far as your career, your happiness and your relationships and everything else, so you know i and i and I think that's the value that we you know that you lend and you bring to to the world is that we we do need to understand yes money's money's very very important, but again understand how it's going to make our lives better and make the world a better place to to live in as well so mm-hmm. what what would you what would you what what would you tell a woman right now? who's thinking about starting her own company, her own business, and she's got a great idea, but she's worried about, you know, how it's going to affect her family. She's worried about how it's going to affect her her relationships. Uh, again, I mean, it's a, it's a big it's a big leap for a lot of women.
1: It is. It is, and there are definitely two ways to go into it. Um, again, the special needs mom side of it, often they're dumped into it. Often they suddenly end up without the job that they had before because they can take no more leave. Um or it's decided that in order to give your child 24-hour care, you have to leave the job. So then you don't get to plan, and it's much scarier. I think if you are planning an exit from a traditional employment job, it's so much easier because then you can give yourself some runway. You can really figure out some savings you can start making. You can start the job on the side. Um, I'm all about bootstrapping. My husband and I have always bootstrapped our businesses. My first record label, I...
0: Sorry? what do you mean what do you mean bootstrapped i don't understand what's bootstrapping <laughs> so
1: bootstrapping and DIYing, which is do it yourself we've uh, always yeah, just, started it ourselves okay. like make go ahead and make the first after. product yeah okay. yeah okay. find even a small audience you know and if you don't have an online presence and you're not ready to you know slap up a, a big banner on your facebook page telling people about your business talk to the people in your community And What is it that you're doing and can you think of even just 10 people to talk to who might be interested in this or who might know someone who would be interested? Um, I think just before you put a lot of money even into the website and business cards and things like that, find find 10 people who would be willing to pay you to get started. You'll have those conversations. If you're doing coaching, a lot of the women who come to me do some kind of coaching. Um, If you need to Do some free coaching with people for some testimonials and feedback. I think just getting your toes wet in the business that you want to do before investing a lot of money is a really great idea. So I sometimes see people invest a lot to get started, and they're immediately thinking about investors, and that puts so much stress and pressure on you from the start, whereas if you do it as a side hustle, if you start moonlighting, (laughs) um, that can feel a lot less stressful, especially if you can be like, okay, I've, I'm doing enough of this using five hours a week that I can see if I were to dedicate 40 hours a week to this, I would be able to you know, increase that income by such an amount. So kind of figuring out your, like, how many calls do I have to make to make how many sales? And how, many, how much time will I have once I leave the job? And can you go part-time in the job before you leave the job completely? Uh, I think that especially for women who have children, taking those steps and doing it slowly is a really great idea because then you don't put that massive amount of pressure on yourself.
0: You're saying something also that's very important is that the most important thing that you do is you can reach out for help. You don't yeah. have to do this alone, and I, and I think this is something that women need to get get over, is that you know underneath the the suit of many women is that superwoman T-shirt. She needs to take it off because, the you know the new the new women the new woman leader, is also one that is vulnerable. It's also one that's leading with the feminine, which is again women who are saying, you know what I can't do it by myself. You know I, if I want to go. If I want to go fast, I go alone. But if I want to go far, I have to go all together. And I think this is where women are beginning to understand that not only is it more fun when we all go together, but that reaching out to help for help—you know, women that that you want to emulate, the women that you look at and go, geez, I want to be like you. How did you get to be where you are? By asking and, and seeking out mentors, being a mentor, but seeking a mentor is is become even more and more important today than it ever has been but I mean there truly are women out there that are that are doing similar things that these women may want to do as well and so Mm
1: -hmm. uh,
0: do you also encourage them to seek out women who are in who I mean like yourself you've already done it so you already are a mentor and a role model but again other women you come in contact with can do you try to connect those as well with each other
1: Absolutely, definitely. And I think focusing on connection and not competition. um, Like I have several friends in the financial services industry. One of my really good friends, Amanda Steinberg, runs Daily Worth. I would never have even thought I could do what I'm doing now if I hadn't met her because I thought in order to talk about money publicly, you had to be a CPA or a CFP. I am neither of those. I am a mom who has gone through a lot of financial stuff with my kids because of all of their services, especially pre-ACA days when, before Obamacare was here. And then I'm someone who's run a number of different weird businesses, like, you know, doing indie music and agriculture and online business. I just, I have an interesting set of experiences now, and I'm happy to share what I've learned, but I by no means present myself as an expert or an end-all, be-all. Like, I'm still learning about finances. I recently had a really huge um, crisis of confidence, actually, in talking about money. Last fall, when my husband and I sold the equity in our ranch, I felt like it was a big failure. We'd run this business for 14 years. We'd had a couple of really bad cattle failures lately where the prices had gone down, and the water table dropped in Flagstaff. We were going to have to re-dig a bunch of wells, and we had the potential to go bankrupt because of digging these wells. And when we got an offer, we sold out. And I feel like... While we made it out of it okay, it was not the circumstances I would have wanted to orchestrate my exit, and we got far less for it than I'd always put in my net worth calculation for the ranch. I always thought we would get far more. I didn't count on taxes, you know, which is ridiculous for me not to realize it costs a lot of money to liquidate assets, right? (laughs) You know, if you're liquidating your your retirement fund, you have your taxes and fees. If you're liquidating just regular investment, there's still trading fees and taxes if it's been in a tax advantage wrapper or something like that. But I never quite calculated what that would be for our ranch. So when I did that, I I suddenly, I pulled back some. It was a complicated time of year anyways with selling everything. So I stopped doing one-on-one consultations for a while just because I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I almost just went bankrupt. I can't tell anyone anything about money. you know. And I think a lot of us have these moments of, like, I'm a fraud. I'm an imposter. Everyone's going to know. And then as I got through it, I realized, you know, what, actually that's an important story to sell. Not everyone may realize when you sell a business there are a lot of taxes and fees that go on, and other people need to know about this, kind of like talking about the insurance and all the yeah, stuff with the but, special needs things, um, you know, eventually.
0: But that's the great value, Jim, is that you're talking to someone who – I mean, you know, if you talk to someone who's everything's been perfect, you're not going to learn anything. You know, you're not going to learn anything yourself, and you're not going to learn by talking to someone that, well, this is how it worked for me, and it just went perfectly. You know, wow. You know, I mean, you're not going to learn anything, but you learn from someone who's been there and done that. You know, what is it, Lee Iacocca uh, went bankrupt. I mean, the, the people that we see as successful entrepreneurs or business people or even the billionaires had failures. I mean, mm-hmm. they had absolute financial failures and bottomed out, but yet came back and learned from what they were doing and, and, and were able to start again. So you, you have much value in what you can offer and you can, you can bring to the uh, table. You know, money mm-hmm. is a path to freedom. I agree with that. And it says yeah. transforming your money situation won't be painful, but won't be painless. No, I mean, I'm looking at things on your website and things that you're doing, and there's great value. And I think what makes you even more valuable is that you aren't this great expert. I mean, that you don't have all these credentials and letters after your name. The fact is that you are a real-life person who's living in the world and taking the situation and taking day-by-day things that can help other women to be great entrepreneurs. So congratulations on that. Okay, well, how do they learn more about you, where you, what you're doing, and, and working with you? I mean, people need to call you, and they need to connect with you, because you can help. Them.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, my website's The Great First Step. It's gentrrell.com, which is jen one dot lcom um, My podcast is where I have lots of conversations with women. I've never had this conversation, because usually I'm interviewing them about their lives, so I realize anyone from my audience who listens to this will learn a lot about me because I've I don't think there's ever been one place where I've told those three stories actually about my childhood, my children and um this uh selling the ranch that we just did. So um yeah, but I I love my podcast. That's probably my favorite thing that I do in my business even though I'm not particularly monetizing it at the moment. But uh that's a great place to to check it out. And then there's definitely a contact me and a work with me button on my um, my website. And this summer I am going to launch a six week program that is, it's kind of a streamline and it's my little calculate, eliminate um, and automate well, negotiate in there too. <laughs> it's kind of taking you through your personal finances and really streamlining it, decluttering it, getting it down to the things that really are valuable to you and bring you joy. It's kind of aligning your values with your, your personal finances right now. So I'll be releasing that in June. But yeah, other than that, you can contact me and uh, I would be happy to talk to anyone.
0: Well, you know, again, I, I think what I'm what I'm seeing is the great value that you do bring is that you are the girl next door. You're the woman next door that you know. You you would be the person that I could become great friends with, and we could learn a lot from each other. And I'm I'm talking about though as far as personal financial uh, financial fitness. So many people would be comfortable with you and what you're doing, and and, under, and understand, you know how how you're bringing value to them. And, and sharing mm-hmm. those stories, by the way, Jen, are extremely important because, I, you know, like I said, so many women compare themselves. I mean, we're horrible when it comes to comparing ourselves to other women and saying mm-hmm. that she's better, she's this, she's that, because, you know, she's better looking, she's thinner, she's smarter, she makes more money than I do. But when we actually share those stories about who we are and what brought us to the point, this point in our life, we, I mean there's always like like you said the, the take take back the night you know you found that so many people that you had something in common with that you could share and and that's that's where I think that's where we all make a difference in the world It's when we can come together and truly truly connect with each other so anyway, I mm-hmm. congratulate you I, I applaud you for what you're doing i I wish you only great success in your what, uh, in your continued success and what you're doing. And Women Connect for Good, you are now one of our leading women, one of the leading women, and those are the women that are smart and amazing that are doing great things in the world. So I, I do uh, hope that anything that we can do to help you and assist you in your success, you'll let us know about events and things that are coming up.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that.